I don't know about you, but there are lots of places in the Bible where you just go, what's that there for? Um, traditionally, people have always said, when you get to the begats, you just skim through them. You know, um, Adam begat Shem, and Shem begat, I can't remember who they were, Colin, and Colin begat Fred, or whatever. And, and you just skim through it, and you think, this is, why on earth is this here? But I've come to realize there's nothing in the Bible that isn't there for a reason. So all these names must be there for something. And I, we will get to the Daniel reading in a bit, but I thought we'd start by looking at the names of the sons of Jacob, of the children of Israel. How many are there? Twelve? Thirteen? Any advance on thirteen? It depends how you count them, actually. But let's have a look. Um, this is what it says in Genesis. This is when they were born, as they were being born. And this is the order that they were born in. Uh, Jacob, later called Israel, was the father. Um, Leah and Rachel, his wives, and the concubines, the slaves of Leah and Rachel, um, also produced these children. And so we've got Reuben, Simeon, Levi, da- Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, if I'm not pronouncing them correctly, correct me later, uh, the daughter, Dinah, Joseph, and Benjamin. And I make that 12 sons and one daughter. So, so far, if you said 12, you're okay. But uh, we shall see. Because later on, the tribes of Israel are set up. And you get this list in various places. You get it in Joshua. And in the tribes of Israel in the Old Testament, well, firstly, they are in a different order. And one of the reasons for that is what they, how they treated their brother Joseph. And Judah did something to try to look after him. Simeon did some uh, dirty on him. And actually, the firstborn becomes... Judah's right. And it's Judah, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali. And then Jacob had done an interesting thing. He said to Joseph, your two children I will count as my own. They will become my sons. So Ephraim and Manasseh get into that list and lo and behold we've now got 13 tribes of Israel. Twelve which had land and one Levi which had no land but was spread through all to be performing the priestly duties. So it looks like that's how many we've got. And if you were a good uh, young Hebrew, certainly a Hebrew boy but probably a Hebrew girl as well, you knew them and you knew the order and you knew which one you were part of. And if you read through the Bible, you will come to Revelation. And in Revelation 7, there's another list of Israel's family. And it looks like this. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. And you will see now that Dan and Ephraim are missed out. And anyone from Israel would have known that list was wrong. 
which can only mean, surely, the Bible is inconsistent, full of contradictions, let's give up. Well, why aren't you going? Let's come back to that in a minute. You know, there are one or two things in the Bible when we get to looking at names, which, we, which I just go, what? What is that there for? Here's one of them. Sounds odd to me. You will give birth to a son, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Well, why not Algernon? I mean, what on earth does that mean to us? A name because he will save his people from his sins. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Because although looking back, we know Jesus saved us from our sins, at that point he hadn't done it. It's just a name, isn't it? Well, Jesus is the Greek version and the anglicized Greek version of a name which in Hebrew was Joshua, that's anglicized, or Yeshua. So actually she was told, you will call him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. But even that is meaningless to us. So we need to do a bit of digging. And a number of times in the Old Testament, the word salvation is used. Here's one, Psalm 62 verse 1. Truly my soul finds rest in God, my salvation comes from him. Now the Hebrew word translated salvation, guess what? It's Yeshua. There it is in Strong's Concordance. Yeshua means salvation. It's pronounced Yeshua. And it's there in other places. In Exodus 15, here's a prophetic use of it. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exhort him. God has become my Yeshua. God has become my Jesus. And we see now that what Mary was being told is the fulfillment of the old prophecies. God is going to become the salvation of his people. You will call him by the name salvation, which is the name God has used for himself to be the salvation of his people. So maybe names in the Bible mean more than just to read off a name. Let's look at some others. Let's start with Abraham. Abraham, we meet in Genesis, and it means exalted father, which of course is what we see in Abraham. But God said that's not enough for you to be an exalted father, I am going to rename you the father of many. You're not just going to be revered by your children. You are going to be the father of many. And he renames him Abraham. And the same with his wife. She starts off with the name which is my princess. And God says it's not enough for her to be your princess. I'm going to rename her as the princess. And actually, in English, what we do in both those names is add the letter H, which is And it's a bit like God is saying, I'm going to put my breath into you as I rename you. Abraham, Sarah. You are going to be renamed for a purpose. And there are many other names in the Bible. Uh, Jacob 
where we started. His name, before he got renamed, was a grabber or someone who pushed someone out of the way, which is exactly what he did and why he got the name. He came out first, you will remember, when he and his brother were born. Um, But God says, no, you are going to be renamed the person who contends with God. This is not just going to be your name. It's the name that is going to be your family name, the name that is going to determine your nation, the nation that contends with God. David, beloved or uncle, the friend of God. And then in the short book of Ruth, we have these three names, Ruth, Naomi and Boaz. And as you read the book, you will see how well they were named. Ruth is a friend. She said to Naomi, I will stick by you, I will stay with you, I will look after you. Naomi was pleasant. She said, I'm not pleasant anymore, I'm bitter, rename me. But the Bible doesn't. It continues to call her Naomi. Pleasant. Because her whole demeanour was one of attractiveness. And then Boaz, the man called Swift, when he starts to act, it's just done. Boom, boom, boom. Very well-named people. So let's come to our Daniel reading. And this has always intrigued me, because right there at the end of that reading that Derek gave us earlier, Daniel and his three friends, who I'll have to look up their names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were renamed with Babylonian names. Daniel is Belteshazzar, and the other three is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's always intrigued me that from that point on in the book of Daniel, the word Belteshazzar is never used as the name of Daniel. He is always called Daniel. But from that point on in the book, the other three are called by their Babylonian names. Why is Daniel left with his Hebrew name and the other three called by their Babylonian names? Well, let's look at what the names mean. Daniel, God is my judge. The Babylonians said, wise man. Well, he was a wise man because he knew that God was his judge. And all the way through the book, Daniel presents God as his judge. All the way through the book, Daniel is displaying God is the judge. I don't want to be seen. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be known that I am the wise man. I want it to be seen that God is So Daniel is constantly pushing people towards God. The other three only really appear in one chapter after this, and it's the famous story of the burning furnace, when everyone was told, you've got to worship Nebuchadnezzar the king. He is God. They refused, and they were thrown into the fire. Now, what were they doing? Well, they were saying very, sure, very definitely all the way through that, Hananiah, God is gracious. Mishael, there is no one like God. Azariah, God will help us, but we will worship him anyway because no one is like God. He is gracious. But the story is actually about them under Babylonian law. And the whole story, everything that happens to them is because of how the Babylonians saw them. You are not worshipping God. You are not saying you're a servant of Nebo or Nebuchadnezzar who was Nebo's servant. You are not saying no one is like our God. 
And we are giving you this command and you are refusing to obey it. So their actions were determined by what the Babylonians saw about them. Their response was their Hebrew declaration of God. And their their names appear to be the Babylonian names, I think, because in their story, they are captives under Babylonian rule. But yet, they declare God. So let's, oh, let's just take one more. We know that Simon gets his name changed. Before Jesus changes his name, he is called, he has heard. And that's clear. Simon heard Jesus and followed him. And Jesus changes his name to say stone or rock or rocky because his faith was firm. He had put his feet on Jesus. He had heard the word and he had stood on the word. So the one who hears is the rock. Let's come back to the boys of Jacob. Every one of those names means something. Let's go through them. Reuben, see a son. Simeon, one who hears. Levi, attached. Judah, praise. Dan, he is vindicated. Naphtali, my struggle. Gad, good fortune. Or it could mean a troop of people. Asher, happy. Issachar, reward. Zebulun, honor. Dinah, the girl. Avenged, judged, vindicated. Very similar to Dan. Same root. Joseph, may he add, Benjamin, son of my right hand. From Jacob's perspective, his family told it as it was. Because if you make a a paragraph out of that, what you get is, Behold a son, the one who hears has attached himself, so I praise him. He has vindicated my struggle and brought me good fortune. Happy am I in my reward. He has brought me honour and avenged me. May he continue to increase the son of my right hand. A powerful declaration for the names of his family of who God was to Israel, uh, to Jacob or to Israel. But that wasn't how it ended, was it? We know that later on, Jacob brings in Ephraim, Jacob brings in Manasseh, some of them get kicked out, and there's a different list. Uh, Ephraim means twice fruitful, and Manasseh means forget. And that's the order that throughout the history of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the people of Israel were known. And what that order says is, Praise God, for I behold a son. The one who hears has attached honour and reward to me, and he has vindicated me, giving me good fortune and happiness. I struggle, but have been made twice fruitful in the son of my right hand, so I forget the struggle. That's the word, if you like, proclaimed over Israel. That's the situation they lived in. That's their understanding of God. Whenever they read their names, they heard this message because that was written in a certain order. So what happens in Revelation? If we put those in order, we see something different. Dan has gone. Ephraim has gone. And we get this message. 
Praise God, he has given his son good fortune and happiness, or the people are happy. Our struggle is forgotten, for the one who hears has attached himself to us as our reward, bringing honour. May he continue to add sons to his right hand. The gospel viewpoint, looking back at what Jesus has done. So the reason it's different in Revelation is because he has done it. They've moved on. We have a new covenant and the world is different because of it. So, instead of just zipping through all the begats, when we come to them in the Bible, what we need to remember is that there is a reason for this. There is those names mean something. And what we've just seen here is something else that happens in the Bible, which is that when you read something in Genesis, you're getting a glimpse of what's going to happen. Revelation means what it says. Everything is revealed. The final story is here. So by the time you get to Revelation, you've got the full picture. But it comes in slowly, progressively, a bit more, and a bit more, and a bit more. And when we look at these passages that just seem very dry to us, there's a reason maybe we need to do a bit of extra digging. 